another episode of Nick versus everyone and today we have a extremely special guest wow my twin brother Nate Ladaga aka Nate the Great aka mm-hmm. Doc Ladaga hotter than a pot of lava joins the show stopper mr <laughs> whatever you need i got gotcha. and the boy is so clean she's got to holla What's good? <laughs> I've never heard that intro. That's quite the intro. Thanks, thanks for a great intro. Thanks for having me. This is an exciting experience for us. We've never done this before. Yep, first of I'm sure many podcasts today, and uh, yeah, we don't get to see each other as much as we want to. Obviously, with you being in Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, me being in California, you being in Michigan, so just to see you. Uh, is is always good. Yeah, and we talk on the phone quite frequently, but seeing each other in this space is is already something special. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, life's good. Life's great. I can't complain right now. We're finally like in a groove with work, with being a homeowner, with being a parent, with being a husband. Like things are just every month, every week, things are just keep improving which is a really great feeling. And it almost is like, well, something bad has to happen soon. Like the, sh- the other shoe has to drop soon, but everything is just getting better. So yeah, I can't complain. Figuring it out, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. Figuring it all out and exciting times and times moving pretty quick. But yeah, right now it's just all excitement moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm excited to, uh, come see you guys uh whenever i can because whenever we we hang out it's like no time has has passed Mm -hmm. uh everything is is like they've always been but there's so much uh, more every single time i see margo uh seems like she's growing so fast and maturing so much and so quickly it's it's kind of crazy i feel like i'm missing out I, they've been gone for the last two days. And so she came back and the first thing I thought when I looked at, I was like, man, you just like look more mature. Like she's more aware. She understands what you're saying a little bit more. Mm -hmm. She's like, today was the first time I saw her put something into like a cup and then take it out by command. Like take the block and put it in. And she looks at it and puts it in, take it out, Mm -hmm. pulls it out. I'm just like, you know, these are such small skills, but the fact that she's understanding these things and already doing them is pretty fascinating and that happens like every other week is like a new thing that mm-hmm. just totally like blows your mind and it's not even that big of a deal if you think about it like yeah everybody in the world can put something in and out but the first time you see that skill develop and it could be anything mm-hmm. walking of course talking and understanding and manipulating stuff in their hands playing with toys it's all just it's pretty just awesome to watch yeah i'm excited to uh experience the same thing i think it would be so weird i think it you're also like your expectations of what someone at that age is like so low 
that when they actually mm-hmm. like do something that you're not expecting, you're like, dang, no way. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How's, uh, how's Michigan? Uh, is it still cold there? Still going crazy? Yeah. And we only had like one big snowfall right before Christmas and it really hasn't snowed since. There's a little bit of like light snow in the last day or two. But it's actually not been too cold. It hasn't been too snowy. It's been fairly manageable. And being on the west side of the state, you get a ton more snow than what I'm used to when we grew up on more of the east side, the Flint area. But yeah, this west side, Grand Rapids, that lake effect snow, Ludington is now even closer. It's just a whole different world, I feel like, but still very manageable now. I like Ludington a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much open space and I see so much potential. Mm-hmm. Grand Rapids is awesome obviously. Um, but we'll have to do a Gus Macker. <laughs> I invited there. you this, uh, this summer. Cause, uh, yeah, it's, they just started it up after the pandemic. They stopped it for a couple of years. They did it first time last year. And then of course they have it planned for every June. The problem is that it's the day where all these people think that they can still play ball and they're like yeah. old and they, their bodies aren't the same, but in their mind they think it is. Uh-huh. And so in the ER, that day is classic for like, we don't see Achilles ruptures at all the entire year until like that day, there's like three of them. <laughs> Just like yeah, people going too hard. <laughs> and people take it extremely serious. Like mm-hmm. it gets, there's basically no refs. Mm-hmm. You call your own fouls essentially. So like people get super competitive and mm-hmm. the there's not a lot of mature people there. So yeah that play and they get so into it and there's like almost fights and gets too physical and then and then people get pushed and a bunch of stuff me and thomas played in that tournament one year yeah i remember that in Ludington. yeah and it was just like you two versus three like your other player didn't show up or something thomas messed up (laughs) (laughs) so one of his buddies was supposed to play and he couldn't make it last second and we tried we brought he brought another friend and was like hey this guy's gonna sub and they're like no you can't do that they're not registered and all that stuff so it was just me and him and him being a college level player and i was probably a low level college player at the time he was like let's just go in like the college slash semi pro league like the a league (laughs) that 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 division (laughs) yeah stupid two people (laughs) and the people that we grew up with played in that gus macker as well and they um they played in the lower division which was like more like high school like yeah yeah what we should have been in and just like semi-professional now i will say we did make a couple games extremely interesting because mm-hmm. we, because Thomas just like put the whole team on the back and no one could stop him, mm-hmm. and he was just like grabbing rebounds over people and like, I'm a shooter, but it was like outside and windy, and so like, I wasn't yeah. tall nor athletic or physical, so <laughs> my, I was basically useless. And uh, but we you can did play make D, it. Though. Yeah, I could you can play, play D, defense. Though. So like, it was make it take it. I think. I wasn't make it take it. It might have been, I forget what the rules were, but we made, we were up like at one point, like almost winning. Uh, and we ended up losing, but it was like super close and everybody was just like, no way. <laughs> like, this is crazy. <laughs> and you guys are like, I don't even, I don't know Thomas's height, but he's that much over six foot. If, if he even is. Yeah. 
but then you're yeah. you're clearly not. And so like I'm thinking of these three other players that are probably semi-professional or college level, and they're probably over six foot, probably jumping up oh. as high as you can imagine. And yeah, athletic as all get out. <laughs> well, Thomas was in the dunk competition for the whole entire thing, and so. <laughs> He obviously is like a super athlete, yeah. so he was able to just like jump over people for rebounds, and and he's strong as well. So it was just like, go ahead, Thomas. Good luck, man. Yeah, so we'll see. If we actually get into that Gus Gus Macker now that we're in our thirties. Yeah, I know. If I can, my knees will allow it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh. Let's get into uh, what we wanted to talk about. Um, talking to you, you, you listened to the first uh, couple episodes of the podcast, and mm-hmm. you brought up a good question. Um, and basically, why should people listen to me? Why mm-hmm. do I think that I would be good, a good podcaster? what credibility do I have? Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, good question. That's Either always the I've... question with with really anything right now. Is like, what, like, why are you motivated to do something? And why does it matter to everybody else that you're doing it? Mm-hmm. And so those two things already garner interest from others. Because if they see you, they see your inspiration, they see your motivation, that's great. But then the other flip side is there's so much saturation out there in social media and podcasts and video creation. Like, why is it that you buy my attention today versus these other people? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just a battle that everybody faces when they try to do something like this. So when I posed that question to you, I said, yeah, I can see your motivation. That first episode was great. Like, this is why you're doing it. I get that. Mm-hmm. In, what I wish you would have done, and I'm glad we're doing it now, is carry it on to why, why you, why does it matter? Why should you listen to Nick? Yeah. And I thought it would be a great idea to have you on because you have been with me, studied yeah. me, been around me, uh, grew up with me ever since we touched ground on this, uh, this earth (laughs) as my twin. So Mm -hmm. there's probably no one on this earth that could understand me or knows me better than you. And, uh, I say this to, um, to Rachel, to, to everybody is that, uh, we think so much alike Mm -hmm. that we understand each other's mental processes and, uh, we know kind of what your reaction would be, what my reaction would be. And, and so um, I find throughout my life that people have a hard time reading me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you get some of the same as well. And uh, it's always nice to to hang out with you and stuff because I don't have to explain myself. Mm-hmm. and And that is like... I think one thing that we've been spoiled throughout our life is that I don't have to explain to you and you don't have to explain to me. But when we are with other people where we constantly have to explain ourselves, it kind of gets annoying because we're so used to just getting it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. It's that comfort where 
I mean, then that's in any relationship that if you think about it, like when you first start knowing and learning about somebody, there's always this conversation. You're trying to feel each other out. You're trying to learn each other's patterns. And then the more the time goes on, you feel comfortable in that silence with, with each other because you understand you don't have to react. You, you can already read the other person. Now multiply that by 31 years where literally every life experience we share together. Mm. Uh, there's not really a moment until when we were like college level and more early adulthood that we started branching out and doing our own things separately. But up until, you know, age 18, 19, we were literally there together everywhere, every moment, every experience. And we both were able to perceive each other's reactions to those. And so we just, in our minds are just like kind of calibrating how we, how we see each other and how we know the other person's going to react. Every present that we ever opened Mm -hmm. was back to back because it was the same exact thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. We have to open at the same time. You can't give spoilers. We both have to act at the same amount of like surprise and happiness. And it's just that that's that, that's the routine. Yeah. It's super, super rare. (laughs) Uh, uh, But what I also is crazy is like, we're so similar and we have a lot of the same mental habits, but we are also very different in Mm -hmm. a lot of different, in a lot of different ways. And, uh, it's it's super cool and it's it's also like like i'll do something like you just remind me of nate i'm like yeah probably that's yeah that makes sense (laughs) yeah it's amazing that you can have somebody who shares a lot of the same genetics a lot of the same upbringing and those experiences and a, a large chunk of us like you already said are very similar but there are times that and of course, you can kind of already see based on our life choices and our direction in life is like, that's the branch point that really shows how different we are. Directions we went, the way that we think, the the comfort that we get from either being with friends or family or traveling or whatever activities we like to do, it can really show if you just kind of study us, like, yeah, that's the big difference. And mm-hmm. everything else is still like very similar with each other. Yeah. It goes back to it just makes me think of my um best man speech at your uh mm-hmm. at your wedding where the basis behind it was here's some things just to just to let you know about Nate. <laughs> uh and it, and there's like so many things like I'm sure if like Rachel had a conversation with you, you'd be like, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's, and she's like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't why or what da da. And you'd be like, ah, this is why. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. So it's super cool. And, and, uh, so since this podcast will be, I mean, mostly about me, um, I thought it would be great to have to you on to, uh, to decipher the code a little bit here. Let's do it. So I'll do my best. I think the first reason why um, I think that uh, I become I would be a good podcaster is is people have always come to me for advice throughout my my high school years, college years, post college years. You know, people people I just came across with. I remember being mm-hmm. like a 
freshman or a sophomore in in high school and and like these senior girls or something like me would be like asking me for like relationship advice and like people like no business talking to me um uh there's so many instances where people would tell me their situation and I was able to essentially predict what the most likely thing is going to happen. And it was a high, most of the time it came true, I Mm -hmm. would say. Now, one thing that made me extremely frustrated is that as well is because no one would take my advice at the end of the day. They would just do their own thing. Um, So something about the way that I view the world, I'm hyper aware um, and I think it's through uh, people watching and just studying mm-hmm. people. And uh, I'm able to put a lot of information into an equation very quickly and yeah. come up with a, with a probability of this is a high chance of this is the situation. Or this person, just by the way that they look, the way they act, this is the the profile I have of this person. Yeah. And if I was in their shoes and this was happening to me, this is probably how I would react or feel. Yeah. It's just, it's your social intelligence. It's your social awareness, that intelligence that you've developed over all these years. But why do you think like it's, it's something that you can acquire, you can practice, you can work on, but a lot of it is just very innate. Like it just comes with you. So what do you think it was that, you know, you're a freshman in, in high school when all this starts and you can start realizing this, but something must have happened even before that where, like, you're developing these skills and you don't even know it. I I I think it came from, from fear. Yeah. Uh, I was always very small. Okay, yeah. Uh, compared to everybody else, even compared to you, you were always... 20 pounds bigger. 20 pounds. Like four or five inches taller. Oh, yeah. Growing up. Still to this day. <laughs> no, I don't think I'm that tall. <laughs> you're still what? I'm 5'10. You're about six foot. So. Yeah, you've caught up and caught up maybe, a I still, bit, maybe I still got the weight on you, though. But I wasn't scared of you, but I was just scared of, I guess, conflict. Uh, a physical conflict, maybe, or. Uh, going to school and things like that. I remember in middle school, like I was always the little one. Um, no, and not and just we, like little, like small. Very. Like you small. were abnormally small growing up in middle school, and it's weird when, like, you know, you see your growth chart and you see mine. Like I'm kind of like in the middle or in the higher end, and you're way down low, and mm-hmm. that's weird. Like you're. <laughs> I'm not being mean. I'm just like this is the reality of it. Like yeah. it was such a weird juxtaposition with us next to each other like twins you're like why is nick so much smaller Mm -hmm. and like we didn't really grow until we were you know matured puberty all that stuff till pretty late ninth tenth grade something along those lines where we both filled out we both grew a little bit more but even in high school i was small but you were like freakishly small (laughs) yeah thousand percent you know i remember being in like sixth grade and in the middle school it was sixth seventh and eighth graders and obviously eighth grade boys mm-hmm. are much different than sixth grade boys and mm-hmm. i'm always top three smallest person in the grade right 
and I just remember this kid. I don't even know who it was at one point. Like we had these big binders. Do you remember that? It had like a zipper. Yeah. yeah and you yeah, put yeah. all your folders in one binder. And uh, I was walking through the hallway, mind my own business. And some kid like knocked down my hand, picked it up and ran away with it. <laughs> and then like, I was like, oh, sweet. And, uh, and so like, I like, you know, walked quickly towards him. Like I wasn't like trying to chase after him or anything. Mm-hmm. He beat me up or something. I don't know. And he ended up like throwing it behind a door and I got it. And then I like just walked away like, okay, sweet. Thanks dude. Um, so like I've, I've always been hyper aware of my surroundings and what's going on in the mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when I'm at dinner to this day with Rachel, if there's like some type of tension going on with a conversation, a couple tables down or even in the room, mm-hmm. my mind automatically goes to them. And yeah. I'm focused on that over there. And Rachel's telling me a story. I have no idea what she's saying. And it's <laughs> terrible. It's a terrible thing. But it just speaks to like, even when we're in high school, we're standing around in a circle. I was always looking off somewhere else, studying some, mm-hmm. someone else moving how their interaction is going, how their body language is, things like that. And I think that that comes from fear of just, all right, what's coming my way? And if I need <laughs> to get out, how do I get out? And it's actually helped me quite a bit. Uh, I mean, there's been times where someone wasn't feeling me at some point. Mm-hmm. I knew they felt some type of way. They were just waiting for an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? And I was able to finesse my way out of it. Sure. uh, In in whatever way. So I think me out of fear, studying people, their body language, their profile, how they would react to this, this, that, and the other. Yeah. Kind of kept me safe Mm -hmm. away from making people unhappy. And I also think that's why I am, I make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like cutting that tension. Like if there is tension, tension, find a way to cut it. Yes. Resolve, dissolve the uh, It kind of gets to that resolution of this tension that's building. Yeah. That's a, that's a skill. Yeah. And, and that just reminds me, like I'm the one that always is trying to just like cut the tension, mm-hmm. uh, make a joke out of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it ultimately comes from that of, Hey, let's keep everybody in good vibes. So nothing goes down. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, um, I think that's why, you know, I make people laugh. People generally like me cause I'm extremely nice to mm-hmm. usually everybody I run into. Um, uh, and, and so I think that's one of the, the skills that I've learned throughout my life just from you know, the evolution of, of where I came from in a way. Yeah. And so that, that being small, that fear mentality, I think is part of it. But if you even go back further, like we are the product of not only that, but a product of how we were raised. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you look back at even further back, like, yeah, we're twins, we're placed in this and that's, that's unique as it is, but we're also twins that are from, a split family. So now we have to take these two twins and we have to relocate them with this family for 
nine months of the year. Yeah. And then we have to adjust and we have to learn the new social interactions to, to not, I don't want to say survive. Like it was that big of a deal, but to blend in and to have a positive experience in these three months with the other family, because both were very different, extremely different. You know what I mean? And so one, you have one family here, we have two older step siblings. That's Mm -hmm. a different dynamic. And then you move on to the other family and now we have two younger half sisters, Mm -hmm. completely different dynamic. And so us being able to adjust back and forth like that, of course, is going to, to develop these skills. And I think that moving forward, then you take on that fear factor, that being small, and it's just molding you into this kind of person with a unique perspective and unique skill set for social interactions and intelligence. And I think both of us have the ability, are both are like, I like to say like chameleons. Yeah. Yeah. We can go into any situation and fit in, find Mm -hmm. a way to fit in. Mm -hmm. And that goes down back to the profile. Okay. What language are you speaking? So I can speak to you about like, Mm when you talk to an older guy, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. How you doing, sir? You doing? If it's Mm -hmm. someone our age, what's up, man? How's Mm -hmm. it going? You know, if it's whatever it may be, I, it's not that I'm not myself at all, but I'm speaking your language so you can understand me Mm -hmm. and you'll be receptive to me and like me or have a better probability of you liking me. You're, you're breaking their guard. Yeah. You know, when you first meet somebody or I think it's a natural thing of just to kind of be like on guard a little bit. Yeah. And then if you approach somebody with, well, I think they're going to react so, like kindly or softly to this and then their guard just loosens. And then now you can have more of an open, easier conversation, easier interaction. Right. And then through the sharpening of those skills, you say, okay, if I do this or I say this, it's always three steps ahead of what they're going to re- how they're going to react. Mm-hmm. Right. If I tell someone this, okay, this is the reaction. How do I combat that? Or how do I steer it to another another place Mm -hmm. right so that's constantly going on in my brain in my head all the time Mm -hmm. as and also being self-aware constantly it's not something i shut off it's just something i do so when it comes to people coming to me about conversations or situations i know that profile Mm -hmm. now there's a chance i could be wrong Obviously, there's outliers and stuff, but the probability is what I'm interested in. It's like, yeah, but most likely this is what's going on, mm-hmm. right? Um, and coming from those diverse backgrounds, like you just said, um, we were able to meet a lot of people in a lot of different places with a lot of different backgrounds. Yeah. So our family is predominantly blue collar, right? Mm-hmm. Tough classic Midwest, um, didn't grow up with a whole lot. Um, Pretty, I mean, middle class, but nothing fancy. mm -hmm. There's raised by two parents that had fairly good incomes, but then you're, they're taking care of four total kids Mm -hmm. in the household until, you know, a certain age. And at one point we're all within, you know, 
18 years down to six years. So like this, this good chunk of our upbringing, all four kids are in the house together. Yeah. And you know, money's tight and like, you know, we have to plan dinners and you get, you can't do, you have to be very uh, conscious, conscious of, of that kind of lifestyle growing up. And yeah, we didn't really have a whole lot, but it's not like we were like, we knew any different and that it really mattered. Yeah. And the people that we grew up were straight shooters. Didn't sugarcoat stuff, extre- mm-hmm. but extremely loyal. Um, just good hearted people. No one that would do anything behind your back. And that's, that's something that's, I think really rare. Um, especially with family and stuff like that. Yeah. So we go from from that background, and then we have our Filipino side mm-hmm. uh, that culturally is like a whole different thing, yeah. right? And But the weird thing is that we had a little bit of Filipino culture growing up only when we basically see our dad, which was only uh, during the summers for... Mm-hmm a few months or a few weeks. Um, so we weren't extremely exposed to the Filipino culture right. um, growing up. So we were kind of, we didn't really fit in with the Filipinos that much, mm-hmm. right? We didn't really fit in with uh, the the white Caucasian yeah. people that we basically uh, grew up with, right? Mm-hmm. Holly, there was 90 six 95 percent like white caucasian right Mm -hmm. and then there was less than one percent philip or less than one percent asian and we were the only two filipinos right right so so out of over a thousand kids right so it was it was definitely uh interesting because you know that's what we grew up as but we didn't see ourselves as different yeah I didn't yeah. see, I didn't walk into a room and feel uncomfortable until I actually went out into the world mm-hmm. in, in a way. Um, there was a rain- point, there was a point when we would, when we travel around. So think about it. We have two different families, but each of those parents has their own in-laws and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you think of mom's family, like, yeah, we're, we're tight with them. We've grown up forever. And then we get to Kev's family and all these cousins that are like step cousins and this and that, like, yeah, we grew up with them forever but it's still, it's a different group of people that you have to, as you said, like be a chameleon. You have to blend in that way because mm-hmm. they never, I don't know what their, their thoughts were, but did they ever think like, man, I have Filipino cousins. <laughs> we never thought that like reverse way. Like, oh, yeah. all I have are white cousins. It's, it's, yeah. I wonder if they thought any different because we definitely stuck out like sore thumbs. Yeah. You go to dad's side of the family, like, yeah, Filipinos, we sort of blend in, but there's always a little divide because we're not completely in that culture. Mm-hmm. And then we would meet Jody's family every now and then too. And like, now we have to start this whole process over. Like these are different populations and different types of people that we have to blend in with. Yeah. And then, so we lived in Michigan, but our dad lived in Reno and then lived in North Carolina and moved mm-hmm. to North Carolina. So it's Nevada people yeah. much different than the South. Yep. And then the Midwest. Michigan. Mm-hmm. So once again, we had a blend in with the Reno people. And then we had a blend in with the South people. 
And so, <laughs> so, so, which are different demographics, different type of people speak their language. Miss mm-hmm. Jamie, Miss yeah, Jamie, yeah, yeah Miss Rebecca, Mister mm-hmm. uh, Joe, like it's it's much much different. Um, and then later on in my life, you know, I lived in Fargo, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Whole different, whole different thing, and when you talk about walking to a room and not feeling comfortable, that's probably the first time I ever did not feel comfortable in a room. In Dakota? Just being me in North Dakota. What was the, uh, the setting? So the people of North Dakota are, are that Minnesota nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of white people, mm-hmm. um, and they don't like outsiders out of their community. Hmm. Uh, not, necessarily uh they have a lot of native native like native americans sure on the reservations and stuff um that they sometimes feel some type of way about i fit in they thought that i was native wherever i go Mm -hmm. people don't know what i am they have no idea totally (laughs) Uh, i've had black people say that aren't you half mixed aren't you half black Mm -hmm. i've had filipinos say you know are you uh uh, it's Mexican and or Mexican people trying to speak, walking up to me, speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. no one knows what I am when I go into the door. So whatever mm-hmm. is like close around that area, that's what I am to them. Right. Yeah. So, um, but, and they had up in, it was really interesting in North Dakota. For some reason, there was a lot of Somalians, I think. Mm, uh, interesting. Uh, refu- I think they refugees. were refugees. They sure. just shipped them up there for some reason or something. Mm-hmm. And even Haitian, Haitian people. Mm-hmm. And the people of Fargo didn't like like them up there. Sure. And so there was definitely some racism by good people that didn't know they were being racist. Right. So uh, it was the first time that I would walk into a room and be like, I am the only one and I need to make sure I'm good. Mm -hmm. So once again, blending in the smiling face, I don't want, I don't want any problems. I'm not what you think I am. I'm Mm -hmm. a good person. High voice. Right. Yep. 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 Um, and, and so with us and me re meeting a lot of people, it just added that bank to profiling people mm-hmm. and understanding their culture, where they come from, what's important to them, what they don't like. And, and it added to the sharpen the skills of profiling people. Yeah. So you're just, you're just being a sponge with all these different experiences and you learn a little bit about people, every new interaction you get, every new place that you've been to, every job that you've had, and you've had a diverse set of jobs as well. I don't know if you've ever explained to people like where you started, where you've gone as far as like this career, that career, this job, and now where you're settled. I think that also is part of your, your own profile of why Mm -hmm. I think that your perspective is a little bit more broad than a normal person. Yeah. Let me get into that then. Um, Yeah. So my first official job or my, I, I consider it my first job was working at the rec center at Oakland university. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what go was Grizz. interesting. Yeah. Go Grizz. <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting about that is that I was the card person 
and I would scan people's cards. So I'd literally say, what's up to everybody, right? And everybody coming through the door was a different, what's up, man? Hey, mm-hmm. how you doing? How you doing, sir? Like mm-hmm. every single thing was, you know, a little bit different. Um, so um, there's that met thousands. I mean, I worked there yeah. for four or five years, thousands mm-hmm. of people, right? Um, and then also when you're up there with another person, it's just, just you and that person for there for four hours, mm-hmm. five hours straight, bored out of your minds. You can't look at your phone. You don't have anything. It's just you and that person up there working, reading a book or talking mm-hmm. to each other. So luckily when I was there, I mean, I work with people from all different backgrounds right. there. Uh, you know, you got Chaldean people, you got black people, you got Muslim people, right, you got right. you got a bunch of different people that were also awesome people as well so there wasn't like i remember uh, i work with this this girl who was muslim and she you know had the head dress and everything and she was awesome she's like if you haven't ever, ever have any questions just let me know mm-hmm. and so we one day we had a deep conversation about you know i was able to ask her questions and she was super receptive to it so i was able to learn more about her and the people mm-hmm. she grew up with so that's beautiful. Um, That's the way you 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 would hope that all these interactions are, where people yeah. of different places can sit down and just have that conversation that needs to be had to just educate each other. Right. That's, so this was perfect. like 2011, 2012, like 9-11, like mm-hmm. stuff was still like there. And, yeah. and obviously uh, the Muslim community was new to everybody in a lot of ways. Like we didn't know anything about like from where we're from. So mm-hmm. I was able to ask her stupid questions probably that, right. that she was super receptive to and just wanted. And she was one of the nicest people I've ever met. One of the best people I've ever met to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll reach out and say, I hope all is well, stuff like that. So, um, so we had that job where I was able mm-hmm. to sharpen the sword. And then um, during the weekends, right. We worked for a marketing company where we would uh, event marketing. Mm-hmm. So we would set up booths at sporting events and try to cold talk to people and try to just market whatever we were there to market. That really was, was the best job. Yeah. I look back <laughs> so, on that. I'm like, that was the best job I ever had. You just get a couple of talking points. Yeah. You just be a friendly person, smile, and hey, man. Do you want AT and T television? Like I remember that was when we always had to yeah. like pitch and things, you know. <laughs> Cell phones, whatever it was, like you just had to try to interact with as many people as possible in these sporting events: Red Wings games, Tigers games, Yo, or Black Friday at the mall. You and I don't know anything about vehicles, cars, trucks, and we had to, we had a twelve hour shift at black friday standing in front of this big ram truck and we had to like get people in keep get people interested Excited. like what, tell me about the truck <laughs> give I'll us your personal best. information give your phone number email yeah. no one wants to give us that stuff enter the right? raffle uh-huh. enter the raffle to win win a truck or whatever mm-hmm. um so thousands and thousands of people through that right mm-hmm. uh and uh which was great during college because it was like 25 an hour yeah, that's why I said it was like the best job ever. Yeah, 12-hour shift, $25 an hour. Like, 
Come on, son. <laughs> it was great, right? It was great. But then it took sacrifices because your weekends are gone when all your college friends yeah. are doing the college thing. And you're yeah. flown to a different state for a couple hours or for, I'm sorry, a couple days. And then you get back and you, you feel like you missed a whole lot as far as what the typical college experience would offer. You're now doing something very different. Yeah. Thousand percent. And, uh, and then we eventually graduated to traveling for this marketing. Right. So we helped promote Susan G. Komen races, right? Mm -hmm. For Ford. Warriors um, in pink. Warriors in pink. Uh, we would travel to different cities every single weekend for like eight to 10, 12 weeks straight. Mm -hmm. So my schedule, like I, at one point I had three jobs, right? I was working at the rec center during the week, couple days. I was coaching basketball. And then mm -hmm. I was also Friday, Saturday, traveling to whatever city we were in and, uh, and doing that thing. So, uh, we're talking Tennessee, we're talking Portland, Oregon, Maine, mm -hmm. um, Baltimore, Maryland, Texas, Amarillo, Texas, like not just like cool places, but nowhere places as well. Right. Didn't yeah. you go to somewhere in Alabama? It was Tupelo, Mississippi. Tupelo, Tupelo. Mississippi. I, I remember thinking, oh, Tupelo. <laughs> and then <laughs> as soon as I get there, I realized immediately that it's not pronounced Tupelo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's like fun, right? Just a new experience that you never thought you'd have. And you just learn those, those tidbits from being around those different, different groups of people. Yeah. And so through going to all these places, we're talking deep South. Mm -hmm. We're talking East coast, Northeast, um, you know, Midwest, Texas, Denver, Colorado, all these different places, uh, really sharpen those skills of, mm -hmm. like I said, I can relate to a lot of people and I understand a lot of different type of people. And then to even further that a little bit more after that, I, um, you know, I went to, did, went to Fargo, um, after college cause I had a degree in, in pre-med to, uh, pursue physical therapy. Uh, worked in a hospital up there, um, which was probably, has to be probably my favorite job mm -hmm. so far. I was in the inpatient physical therapy, uh, and we helped uh, people that were probably in the worst situations you can think of, right? Uh, brain injuries, mm -hmm. strokes, hit in the head, car accidents, spinal cord injuries, mm -hmm. um, quadriplegics, mm -hmm. can't move anything. Um, like I said, strokes, can't use the left or right side of their body, whatever it may be. So the worst of the worst. And, and I think that kind of puts into the equation of me probably more than a lot of things because what I took from that is I've never had a bad day in my life. Right. 
I've never had a bad day in my life. Right, and once you see that, it that's a perspective that just really hits home of, I am fortunate for what I've gone through so far in life. I'm yeah. with you. And in that setting when I was in, I was always the person that they were happy to come see that day because mm-hmm. I'd make them smile, good energy. You know, they're in the worst part of their life, right? Probably the low of their whole entire life. And the dark days are is when they would go go up to their room, right? Because they, they live in the hospital for right now. And their darkest day was going up at night just to be alone with their thoughts. And their, their relief was coming down mm-hmm. for therapy, interacting with people mm-hmm. and seeing me and, and me cracking jokes with them and, and making it feel like it's, it's a normal day. It's a good day. And, and, um, I learned a lot, uh, there. Um, we would also go up and help people, uh, in palliative, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. the people that are near the end, right? So I, I literally helped people get off of essentially the deathbed, right? Mm-hmm. To just sit up for a couple hours, you know, and I would just, I remember there's been times where I'd go up there and I would just look at the bed for a second and just be like, dude, that's going to be me one day, mm-hmm. you know, most likely. So every single decision I've made from that point on is like, when I'm there, Am I going to regret mm-hmm. that I was, am I going to be scared? Mm-hmm. If I'm ever scared to do something, I want to do it, but I'm scared. Like, all right, you're in the deathbed now. What do you wish you would have done? Mm-hmm. What do you think you should have done? And that's just kind of how I've always just rocked with it and and took chances. I think I'm fearless in that way. It's like I'm never scared to take it huge chance um if i feel like now i'm not dumb I'm not aimless uh-huh. <laughs> but but at the same time like i've been people have called me like free spirited but i don't think i'm free spirited at all mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm very like calculated yeah. very strategic i'm extremely like i said fear being scared like you have to be strategic in everything you do right um uh, that's why I was such a, a good coach, um, from what people say, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to speak the kids' language and strategic and things like that. Um, and and I got people to care about what I cared about, which was basketball at that time, and be motivated. Um, and then after that marketing, uh, after going up to Fargo, um, I decided to get back in. Actually, was it before Fargo? Yeah, before Fargo, I went. I, w- I still was doing the marketing thing, where it was a travel gig for like three, four, five months straight. Yeah, you were on tour. You were. I was on a tour. You're in a <laughs> tour like group, months. driving city to city every other day, setting up the same thing with that same group of people for weeks, yeah. if months on end. Went from like new people at different cities and different states. Atlanta, Miami, <laughs> the swamps, mm-hmm. the the mountains of West Virginia, Texas, Dallas, San Antonio, 
basically any major city you could think of, I was probably there. And then a lot of small places that you've never been to and never mm-hmm. heard of. Mm-hmm. So as far as inside the United States, extremely, and it's driving, it's not flying, it's driving. Yeah, yeah. Stopping at gas stations. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? It's meeting so many people, so many different worlds. It's crazy because there's so many different worlds within the U.S. Like if you just think about the difference, you, you went to the University of Michigan, you stayed in Ann Arbor, but mm-hmm. then you also went to Michigan State and stayed mm-hmm. at Lansing. Two completely different worlds. Yeah. Yep. People in the same time frame in life, college, two different demographics, two different ways of thinking, two different types of people, Mm -hmm. the way that they move, the way that they act, completely different, right? Now, just think about that times every single city, every single... It's wild. It is. It's wild. And then that's that's overwhelming amount of, like, knowledge and interactions. But each one of those, subconsciously, as we've already been saying, that's, that's calibrating your your machine in your head, your social intelligence, mm-hmm. your socialometer of how to read people, how to interact. And now you're shaping like perspective as you've as you've mentioned. So you see things in the world, people come up to you and say something or something hits the news stream. And when you see it, it's different than a lot of other people when they see something like that because of all these things that have shaped you. Yeah. And I, I think I've always been a, a very introspective person. I think I study yeah. myself a lot and my reactions to stuff. I think my first album that I made was Perspective, right? Mm-hmm. That was the name of it. Yeah. So I always found that perspective, though perspective is like the key to happiness in my, in my thought is you can, if you can control your perspective, you're good. It's just like the deathbed thing, right? It's, it's that perspective that I got from North Dakota. I've never had a bad day in my life, right? But someone that, you know, has doesn't have that perspective, like their car didn't start, their, their day's ruined, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what are we comparing it to? You just don't have that perspective or that awareness. So when people come to me about issues or we've had deep conversations with um, I'm an easy person to talk to I feel and uh and I think but the key I think not only do I have perspective not only am I I can see things from other people's point of views is that I'm a straight shooter Mm -hmm. as well if I feel something now this has rubbed people off, uh, rubbed people the wrong way throughout my whole entire life, right? They don't want to hear, they know it, they don't want to hear it, but I can't lie to you, right? So uh, I'm a straight shooter, and I'm just going to tell them, hey, that dude that you're hanging out with, not it. Why? Just, he's not it. I can go into it, but he's not, right? <laughs> or, you know, uh, that doesn't seem right to me. Why? It's just such a, it's, I think it's going to be a good move. Like there's this, this, that going on. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it's not right. And they're, and they're, they get mad at you because you're like, Hey man, I disagree. They, a lot of times people 
just want to um, confirm. They want people to agree with them. Agree with them. Everybody's looking for their team, their camp. And this is the reason why, we don't have to go too far in this, but this is the reason why there's such divide and aggression when you think of things like sports, when you think of things like politics, when you think of things like um, city rivalries, when you think of like national rivalries, like people, religion is another one. People want their camp. People want their team. They want people to share the same ideas with them and just keep cycling it back and forth without any disagreement or any tension. Mm-hmm. The moment you get someone that calls them out on that, of course, it's going to lead to, eh, I, I don't like this person anymore. <laughs> I'm going to fight that's this crazy. person. That's, that's crazy because anytime I gave advice to anybody, it's because it's from, I got your back. It's because I yeah, care about yeah. you. I don't care about... I don't care about being right. I don't care about anything. It's just like I'm giving you my honest, straightforward opinion because I think it matters. And I think if you do what I say, that it's best for you. But you're right. They take it the wrong way because I think to go a little bit deeper into that, I think uh, one thing that I've noticed from people is that they have a fear of saying, I don't know. Or mm-hmm. I'm dumb in this subject. Mm-hmm. I think people are just so scared of saying, I don't know, that they just ride. <laughs> and they pivot. They mm-hmm. pivot to try to make it seem like they're right, right? I've never had an issue with saying, eh, I was probably wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But let me find out. Or I will find out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see know. that in any field, in any type of interaction, like you can see that in people pretty evident. I think there's a, there's a fear in being vulnerable in front of others. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a society thing. That's a whole other big topic, but yeah, that fear of vulnerability and not knowing something, it's just, it's way better. It's a way better way to live if you're just very open and, and you have the humility to say, I don't know, I would like to learn and please teach me. Mm-hmm. And it go, I wish that people thought more considered probability more. Um, it seems as though like when you, like when I give advice or make an argument for something, my argument comes from the most probable, like I said before. Yeah. But when you say something, in general terms, right? There's the cat. Oh, she's yeah, Lulu. Yeah. Ah, oh, Lulu. Um, I'm gonna let her out. Yeah, let her out. Getting late, sorry to it's not, it's <laughs> mess not, up the vibe. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. Um, what was I saying? Percentage. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wish that people thought more percentages. Like I'll say something in general. It, there's two things I want to say here. I'll say something in general, which is the most probable thing of happening. But people will bring the one percent and think it's the majority, like the most probable thing. Yeah, that it's catastrophizing. Right. It's like, yeah, but this could happen. Oh, duh. I already considered that. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's like I already considered that. I already went through my equation. I understand that is a th- possibility, but probably not, right? But the 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 second piece of that that I want to say is when you make a general term or speaking generality, people's insecurities really show mm. because they always bring it back to think that you're talking about them. Sure, right. And it's almost like you have to to not hurt people's feelings when you're just speaking out loud of ideas freely, and you you talk about gen the most probable. People say general in general means mm-hmm. most probable, right? Uh, they're always just like d- they get defensive, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a really hard thing to to navigate. Which goes back to me being a straight shooter, right? I'm not necessarily scared of hurting people's feelings, but at least when you listen to me and you listen to this podcast, you're going to get my honest opinion mm-hmm. or my honest talk. Yeah. It's it's not manipulative. It's not it's not fake. It's it's me and it's what I think. So, I think in a world right now where especially on social media that things aren't necessarily real, and people are manipulative in the way that they post content and things like that. Um, you know, coming from me, you have someone that is aware of not only himself, but other people and how other people interact and move and, and, and someone that truly understands other people, not just himself. But you're going to get a straight shooter. You're going to get... Uh, authentic person and you're going to get someone that uh, truly cares about others um, and their well-being. And uh, I don't want every single episode to be deep, serious and all that good things. I mm-hmm. want it to be fun. I want to crack jokes. I want to be stupid. I want to be fun. But uh, I think that uh, there'll be episodes for everybody. Every episode won't be for everybody, but mm-hmm. I think that there will be episodes that people will enjoy for sure. I think that's a great way to answer the question of why I listen to you. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we're at the hour mark. Uh, I think that um, I think that we discussed uh, more than we probably wanted to, um, <laughs> uh, which is which is awesome. And and thanks for posing the question because that that streamed uh, a lot of creative thought on my end. And uh, this is one of many podcasts that we're going to, we're going to do. And I'm excited to, uh, to start this journey and have you on as a regular. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that you're receptive to the, to the feedback and you took it to heart and you wanted to make that a focal point of today's conversation. So I'll be excited to see what you got in store. And of course, I'll be excited to be back whenever you need me. And that's the one thing also that people should know about me and you, that we have a pact to be completely honest with each other and not sugarcoat either. Even It's going to hurt our feelings. So when you give me feedback, and I think that's the one thing that's me and you are very similar at is we're very receptive to criticism mm-hmm. and ideas and open-minded. We're open-minded about anything. We'll consider everything anybody says because we know. I think as an uh, as intelligent thing to think of is like, who said it? Still, I learn. Uh, I think it was like Da Vinci or something. 
Like okay. We, we're like, yeah, we probably think we know some stuff, but we could be wrong. We're open to our minds being changed, right? You oh, just yeah. got to present the point. And you came to me with some constructive criticism, an idea, and I was just like, hmm, yeah, good point. Let's talk about it. Shout so out I to Coach Lance. Awesome. Anything can change. Give a new information. Yes, sir. Just another life lesson learned. <laughs> uh huh. And so, before I let you go, I have one question for you. Sure. Give me your top three rappers and why, since you are the uh, best rapper that I know. <laughs> you don't. You must not know very many rappers, then. <laughs> So this is this is great. So I have a couple different ways of answering this question. But if you just want to put me on the spot, I think a top three in some order. Here's it. Here's uh, this. Who are the top three most impactful rappers to your life? It's not the best okay, that okay. you think. Top three most impactful rappers and why? So the first one I ever listened to and I really felt and I was like, man, this art, this art is just so intriguing to me is Eminem. And that's not too surprising. Like a lot of people grew up with us. We were like in the early 90s growing up and that's when he was big and, and famous and towards the late 90s. So we're like eight, nine years old and and now we're transitioning to he's like the top of the game. And so you think of like the way that he's able to manipulate the English language and is always pushing the boundaries. And even to today, he's like, it might not be the greatest music, but it's a pretty phenomenal talent that he has. And so that was the first thing that sparked my interest in in hip hop. And then you, when you go throughout everything else, you think of, oh man, there's so many like these underground people I used to listen to. And then one of the people I always come back to is Kanye West. It's probably influential for me too. Now we're in 2023 and things with Kanye are much different than when I first really enjoyed his music and enjoyed his, his personality, enjoyed his thoughts. But uh, when you first get into it and like, man, that 808s and Heartbreak album, that was just going to have its time. And then my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was like that. I can spin that every day and not get sick of it. Like there's so much depth to it that I really appreciate. And so one of the other one of the other people that I put in that same category, like I can spin this album. I can like can listen to this person rap all day and just not get tired as Nas. So those are like top three right now that you just put me on the spot. So like Eminem. Kanye in that in that realm and then Nas too like I was listening to his King's Disease 3 recently and you can just like listen to that guy just like tells stories on stories and in a way that nobody else does in his perspective and the fact that he's been doing this for decades and still is just a juggernaut at what he does and just so skillful is is really entertaining for me to listen to and try to like soak some of that stuff in so different three different artists take it or leave it. People can disagree or what, but if, as far as my life, like those three will come to my mind when I think of how yeah. I view that type of, that type of art and that type of music. What I see those three people are, are people that totally changed the game. Mm-hmm. When they, when they came out, they totally were their own person, their own style, uh, and created their own lane. and was ahead of their time in a way whether they were controversial or whatever it was, they kind of just did their own thing, put their spin on it, and uh, obviously are legends and will yeah. be legends. Yeah, when I, when I would ever write something, I haven't written anything in a while, but those are the, the voices I hear in my head as far as like, man, I kind of want to emulate a little bit of that style. I can't, yeah. I can't copy it completely, right? You can't bite somebody else's yeah. 
complete style and lyrics, but when I try to write something, that's the cadence I hear and that style that I want to try to be. And I think that that goes back to how you and me are very different because (laughs) (laughs) you gravitated to that type of music, which I like it too, but I gravitated more towards like R&B singers Mm -hmm. uh, opposed to rappers. So uh, it's just funny how, like I said, we're very similar, but uh, our interests, we're also individuals in that, in our own right too. So That's a great question. Thanks for posing it. Yes, sir. All right, man. Till next time, thanks for joining the uh, Nick vs. Everyone podcast, and uh, you'll be on much more. My re- a regular. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, and best of luck moving forward. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm.